Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Storybox, where I, your host, Jay Phantom, has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox the amazing stories of some incredible people from all walks of life and experiences. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the story box and hear more about our guest today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Storybox podcast. Hope you're all doing well. My friends, this is a very special episode. It's a personal favorite of mine because I have been inspired by what this man has done in his life and the kind of work that he puts out there in the world and his real-to-life heartfelt story. My guest today is none other than Jeff Cole, the co-founder of Iconic. Now, Iconic is or they are the leader in Canvas Art. Along with his business partner, Mark, they started uh, Iconic as a passion project back in 2016 and is now the fastest growing digital art company in the world. Their artwork has been displayed in thousands of homes and office spaces all around the world. They have partnered up with entrepreneurial icons, Gary Vee or Vaynerchuk and Scooter Braun, and earn licensing rights for the NBA, Muhammad Ali, Marilyn Monroe, and many others. And they are dedicated to producing affordable, high-quality canvas art that's guaranteed to make you sit up straight, put your head down, and follow your passion. They've basically been putting a new spin on the business of inspiring art, or inspiring you guys, I should say, through this powerful medium of art. Now, if you haven't seen any of these pieces of art, most of which, if not all, have been created by my guest today, that goes to show you just how talented this man is. And I highly encourage you to go and check them out. Now, I remember coming across Iconic's page and being instantly struck by the kind of message that was being sent out on these pieces of art. Jeff and I get talking about his process with creating such pieces of art. We also get to talking about his his backstory. So what led him to actually starting uh, Iconic in the first place? And it's just so much more. There's so much goodness in this episode that I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. I, I know I say that every single week, but trust me, this one is definitely not one you want to miss. With all that being said, my friends, I'm going to be quiet now. And let's dive into the story box and hear Jeff Cole's story. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, that was a robust intro there. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I love, doing, I love getting people pumped up right before I ask them the hard questions. 
So <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that the boss was leaders your favorite piece that um that started is this the this like crude meme on Instagram, which actually that's how we started the company was uh, recognizing what um what crude content on Instagram was trending, and we kind of reimagined it and kind of told our own story about it. That's a little bit more uh, romantic and uh, obviously obviously tangible. So um, it's it's good that that's your favorite piece. But uh, I hope to have it on my wall one day. I've got I, back to the I'm gonna have to get it for you when we can take that off. Uh, I appreciate that, but it's one of my favorite pieces because leadership is one of the things that I'm really passionate about, especially in this generation. And if you want to be an inspiration and encouragement to somebody, you need to be it yourself. And that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to inspire other people through stories. But I want to be able to use it not only with my own life but with other people's. So I guess that's why. And instead of just, you know, being the boss figure and cracking the whip against the people, I want to be an influence, you know, and, and be in the front, do all the hard work because that's how I was brought up as well. So that's one of the reasons it's my favorite piece. Um, but before, I mean, yeah. I was just saying, to touch on that is um, that's kind of the one reason me and Mark, or Mark and I got, um, got a little more front facing behind the brand is because people started to realize we were actually living and breathing the types of pieces we were putting out and our background and our upbringing, especially with this company was so, um, there were so many synergies between what we went through and what we were kind of telling people and selling people. Um, so that piece, I mean, resonates with our whole company because me and Mark, everything we've done, um, that we're telling our employees to do, we've been there before and not too long ago either. It wasn't like it was, you know, decades ago, it was, you know, maybe it was like a couple of years ago. So um, anything that we, we kind of, we put out, we like to think that is not only in our DNA as a brand, but is me and Mark in, in our past and how we even got to this point. So. Cause the, the iconic basically started in 2016, correct? Which is only relatively young, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You, are, you are still young yourself. Yeah. And you've been able to accumulate all this success, so to speak, over such a short space of time. So what I like to do is, before I begin any conversation really and dive deep, is I have one question that I love asking people to start off with. And that is, what do you, what does success look like to you in your life? To me, uh, to keep it like simple, um, I think it's being in complete control um, of your life. Um, that's one thing that I never had as a kid is, you know, I hated going to school. I hate, hated being told to do things. So whether it was, you know, you have to go to baseball practice, you have to go, you know, to school, you have to go to art school, all this stuff. I think the day where I could wake up and make my own decisions for, you know, myself and no one telling anyone I had, I had to be a worker, telling a, my, my boss, telling me what to do. It was just, to me, it was the day that we went full-time with Iconic where my um, my future was completely in my hands. And mm. every morning, it was up to me to kind of narrate my own journey. Um, to me, that was when I, I, I claimed success kind of over my life through, obviously, my past was, was definitely that, the freedom to make my own choices and, and 
kind of write my own story um, and not being told where to be, when to be, who to be with. Um, so that, that was a big day for us. Why do you think that you were that sort of person that didn't like being under somebody? I don't know. You know, um, I'm not quite sure. It just, it's just one of those things like in your blood, you just, I, you can tell that it's, I don't really get mad easily or all frustrated, but um, anytime my mom or anyone was like, you have to do this. Like, and I just didn't want to, that just made me so angry. So that's why I value it so much. And I didn't even think that one day I would have my own company. It kind of just came organically. But when, when I looked back on it, and, you know, when people ask these questions, you really have to, you really start to think about it in a different way. And um, when we started the company, we didn't really like that. We were just kind of doing it. It was, it all came pretty organically, but it's always, yeah, obviously when you take a step back or have the time to kind of reflect on it is kind of learn a lot about your past and what led you here. Um, mm. So I think it was a lot of stuff. It was, it was a lot of just me being in environments as a kid that weren't, advantageous to me I guess um you know I was never the best uh sports player but I always had to go if you, you feel like all your friends are doing you know I always play basketball baseball this stuff um obviously you, you had to go to school and I had to learn all these things that I wasn't really passionate about um so maybe it just all built up all the stuff that I knew that I maybe didn't want to learn or didn't want to um focus my attention on um but um art has always been something I was you know I, I excelled at and um, I took private art classes at the age of seven. Um, and I loved that. I, I loved art. It was very, it was like the perfect class for me, obviously. Um, I didn't really need to try that hard and excelled at it, but, um, obviously over time those skills developed and, um, I became a little bit more entrepreneur based and psychological and about, you know, my art and less uh, romantic and stuff like that. So did yeah. you ever struggle with your purpose at all? where you wanted to go in life? No, you know what? No, because I mean, when I was six or seven, I start, I started taking private art classes and that, that wasn't normal, right? You know, every kid after school doesn't drive to or go do art classes. So I knew like, okay, this was, this isn't required. This is something that I like and that um, my family and my mom thinks I can excel at. Um, so before I even almost had the choice, it's like, it was all, it was the one thing I, I felt very confident at any time the day I could turn it on and turn it off. And that was exciting to me as, you know, someone who wasn't, didn't really think they were the smartest kid, you know, it wasn't good at math and science and all this stuff. Um, man. so, yeah, I, I understand that 100% man. Cause my, my skills and my talents, they weren't in art. They weren't, sorry, they weren't in um, math or science. I hated those subjects. I wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. My strength was found in art and I found that being able to draw something was quite therapeutic and it quite releases a lot of stress as well. So when I was quite young, I started uh, copying a lot of images and just drawing uh, whatever it was, cartoons, uh, just pictures from books. You should draw them all the time. And because my uncle is actually an artist as well. So he's a special makeup effects artist, runs his own company, but he's actually a fully fledged artist and he's quite good at it. And um, so when I was young, they all thought, okay, well, Jay's got some talent here. We're going to try and, and flush it out. So they took me to art classes. And I remember my grandfather used to take me all the time, but I would rebel. 
so much. Like I just did not feel comfortable with the teacher telling me what to draw, when to draw it, all that sort of stuff. Like I just didn't, I, I just wanted to be able to draw my own thing when I wanted to draw it, not be stuck in this classroom setting, so to speak, and then having to just draw with everybody else around me. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, I think that's where, I think that's where the prior art classes really helped because there wasn't really restrictions there. And I know art, art in school and I, was this a private art or just like a normal this art? This is a private art school. So they paid quite a bit of money for me to go there, which means it was quite structured and quite regimented yeah. of this is what you need to learn in order to become an artist. It wasn't like you sit down, you're free to draw whatever you want. So. No, yeah. I mean, I don't really remember as a kid being frustrated with that aspect of it, but um, I know I hated critiques and <laughs> I hated, and it's actually funny because looking back on it, it was probably the, it was my weakest area was, you know, explaining why I was doing things because I think when you're young, you, you don't really have them all justified in your head. It's kind of just like a subconscious um, thing you're doing and being able to, you're having to explain why you're doing every little thing. Like, why'd you choose this and do this? And I hated that aspect of it, but now it's essential, especially to communicate with other people on why you're doing things, especially non-artists. Um, it helps because art is now integrated into basically every workplace um, from corporate jobs to obviously, you know, music festivals, on and on apparel. I mean, every business incorporates art. So having the skill to explain it to people who don't really maybe have that way to think about it, you know, left brain, right brain, um, it's definitely helped. And I'm, I'm glad I struggled with it because it really forced me to fix that area of, you know, art and design. And mm. every day I'm doing it, you know, with my team trying to explain my thoughts and, and, why because it's art is subjective but i i truly believe that there's i i believe that aesthetic intelligence matters and that there's right and wrong ways to do certain things and it's your job to best justify it um the best you can mm. did you ever find that hard to sort of communicate what you're thinking and what the artwork is actually portraying yeah, um yes and no so I don't, I don't, I didn't have a very good vocabulary growing up um, because I wasn't good at school. So trying to pinpoint feelings mm. with words that are describing it was kind of tough for me growing up. And it's one of my favorite things to do now, obviously with Iconic, we, we do inspiration and motivational quotes. So there's a lot of reading involved in conception of pieces. There's a lot of understanding a lot of Googling definitions and trying to use different words and synonyms and antonyms and stuff like that. So that's been a real awakening for me, but um, it definitely, it definitely is one of the hardest things um, to do, but most challenging and fulfilling to take something, you know, a word and either visualize it or taking, you know, a picture and trying to do to describe it in words. So um I think that's that's like the playing aspect for me. That's like the where you really get to showcase your level of um you know intellectual thought and conceptual developments and you know sometimes the deeper the concepts the more rewarding it is to you but maybe not the consumer 
because the consumer, you know, they um, they take in information a lot different than you are. And their obviously skill set visually and mentally is very different than yours. So I think just providing more depth is more rewarding on both ends. It's kind of like um, figuring out something has more depth than it is, is always more rewarding and, but not as, you know, sometimes it's not needed, but sometimes it's, it's, it's nice. It kind of separates your art from, you know, other, other art. So. Did you always enjoy reading or when did you find the passion to actually start reading? I actually never read a book. So never read a book. I've never read a full book before. No. Um, but I really enjoy these. I, to me, like quotes, like small quotes are art. They, they're, they're not words anymore. It's now because you can interpret the meaning so quickly, like um, a short quote, you don't really read it and there's multiple meanings to it. It's very short and compact, precise, and you know it means one thing. So it kind of starts interpreting itself, not words anymore. It's more of a symbol. Mm. So I think I really um, gravitated towards these short, impactful quotes that you didn't really have to think hard to interpret. It was like, like I said, a symbol rather than reading words and understanding what it means. So I think I've almost taken this new um, new form of not reading, but uh, it's, it's just... Um, to me, it's just consumer psychology. So it's, mm. to me, short quotes was the same thing as an image because it meant something different and it was easily to uh, digest. Mm. When was the moment that, was it you that decided to actually start the business of Iconic or was it a component? Well, it, wasn't, it wasn't a business at first. Um, mm. Me and Mark just wanted, we were just really, uh, we were never the ones to make any final decisions and, and we weren't honestly just, I don't know if it was respected or um, just a lot of our opinions in which we thought were, you know, we thought we were smart dudes and no one really took our, ourselves that serious. And we were never in, you know, those roles to really make decisions. Um, and one day we just wanted to do what we all always were always doing. I was always creating art. Um, and I was always kind of doing pop culture stuff and I fell in love with that as a young kid. So we just were like, let's just do it. Well, what, what we do best and what we, what we know and what we know each other's good at. And one night we put out three pieces and we just shopped it to a couple Instagram accounts and we saw sales come in in a, in a couple of, or in a couple hours and we sold like 20 pieces. And for someone, for two people who haven't really sold anything, especially that quickly. Um, it was kind of like an eye opener. Like what if we're doing this all wrong? Um, you know, I think we can do this ourselves. Um, and then we just started building that concept. Okay. Well, what, what are we doing here? So we really started to kind of outline what it is we were doing and we were, you know, day trading attention of popular and images that weren't, like I said, weren't tangible. They people were sharing them on Instagram and putting it in your DMs, and you would internalize it, and and that was it. But um, mm. there was ways to make these more of a tangible reminder, and what more of a tangible reminder than to hang it up on your wall? So um, mm. it kind of just manifested very slowly too. It, um, the DNA kind of didn't start off as only Instagram and or only um, inspiration motivation. It was just one kind of pillar to 
to the concept of what we were doing. And that kind of, you saw that started to rise um, mm. in people's interest. And uh, we kind of tripled down on it. And then people started to realizing we were that the DNA of what we were putting out was what me and Mark went through. So we started telling our story more and everything that just rose to the top and we kind of just um, deaded everything else. And now we're doing only partnerships with that have that same similar DNA as, mm-hmm. as iconic. Um, and even um, DNA, that's the opposite. Like I'll leak right now on here that we, well, one of the licenses we're doing is Garfield and he's known as this lazy cat. And now I'm going, we, we got clearance to now flip it and to use it as a way to inspire and motivate people rather than glorify laziness. So that's just another, and that's really cool for me because I grew up drawing Garfield mm. in school. I would literally spend hours drawing that face. And now I get to kind of re-identify some of its meaning, which is obviously super exciting. Astounding. Where do you guys find the inspiration to come up with all these pieces of, of art? That's all me, actually. That's I can take credit for that. Wow. So yeah, I um, I've I probably conceptualized probably ninety percent of all the pieces, and I've created probably ninety percent of all the pieces. Nice. It's a lot. Incredible. Yeah. So you, I can thank you for coming up with that. My favorite piece of artwork. And actually, that 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 one's turned into a full series. It's it's a five piece series now. That it's not all yet. I think there's only two out, but I just made the others. I think there's six now. Yeah, there's six. So there's four more, same similar aesthetic, but um, all different lessons. And and uh, that's one of my favorite series. It's very um, I love that the Roman Egyptian aesthetic. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, seeing some of those drawing memes, I'm like, there's got to be ways to make this a lot cooler and a lot um something that people would want to buy and not just share in the DM. So how long does it take you to make one piece of artwork? I can't disclose that. I can't do that. <laughs> That's all right, man. I'm, I was just curious because there's so will, Yeah. What I will say is it like I've been doing this for a really long time and um yeah, I mean, like I said, six years old, I was starting, I was driving to art class after school and I haven't stopped and I'm 30, 31 years old. So it's definitely not something um, that that comes quickly. It, it's it's almost like if I'm not creating art, I'm training. If I'm not training, I'm conceptualizing. And if I'm not doing that, I'm aggregating references. So I'm always on doing something regarding creating new pieces it's just what process what in the creating process am i at and um the conception and reference hunting and inspiration aspect it takes up the majority of the time creating so even if i don't put that time in the execution of it the conceptual conceptualizing it takes up probably 80 percent whereas the execution is actually the smaller so when you ask that it's kind of flipped um, thinking of it could take days, but executing could take hours. Oh yeah. I know, I know how much work can go into a piece of artwork because it is, it's extent, essentially it's part of you. It's, it's what you are coming up with in your brain. It's like literally a child that you are forming into something that is, is like truly, yeah. honestly, it's, it's awesome. 
It's, it is. It, it sounds silly, but it's almost like the market actually has a, a huge. I mean, I owe them a huge debt because they're the ones who are telling me what styles they like, what things they're paying attention to. So it's like when I create something, yes, I am conceptualizing and executing it, but the market is has a huge footprint on that piece mm. because without their influence, I you know I probably wouldn't be creating it. And, that's what you see. That's what the difference between kind of me as an artist and um, maybe someone who only wants to create things that they like, you know, which is a, to me a completely different business, not only business, but a different type of artist. I think consumer art is kind of different than, you know, I guess I don't know if I want to say traditional art, but um, yeah, I don't know what you would call the other, but like mm. if I really love butterflies and I'm, and I love, let's say, um, the theme of death and I only do butterflies and death pieces. Like that's what I want to do. Uh, the, the consumer in the market might not want that. And that might be my focus as an artist. But for me, my focus is on what does everyone else want and how can I make it that you want it more than I do. Um, mm. So really it's for you. It's for everyone. It's, it's not only, it's not only for me, but it's, it's, it's more for you. Mm. You're really talented, man. I have to say that. Yeah. yeah. I also need to ask as well, are you ever, or what, 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 is, what would you say is your biggest fear currently? I mean, I think it's all artists can't stop coming up, stop either coming up with ideas or just, I think yeah. when you're incapable of being inspired is pretty scary, but I don't think it, that's possible. I think if you're alive, there's an infinite ways to become inspired. And that's, I would have actually created was a system for when I feel like that. If I ever, am I fearful for not being able to come up with a new idea? If I'm fearful of anything in life, I almost created like a systematic approach to creation and becoming inspired is number one. That's like step one, right? If you're ever feeling like you're not good at anything really, or if you're just feeling any negative energy, I think becoming inspired is the first, is the step one to come and getting out of that predicament. Mm. So if I'm ever in a, you know, crater block, I know what to do. I know the things that get me going. I know watching a movie in like a science fiction movie where worlds are being created out of thin air that really gets my juices flowing. So I think it's just knowing who you are, what gets you going, what gets you out of certain um, mental um, prisons is, 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 is great. So I think having a system for those kind of, I guess, fears is, is, is a really, it's, it's smart. It's also, it, it just optimizes you as um, a creator. Mm. I always find it interesting how there's, we always say there's infinite possibilities to be creative, yet we fear the fact that we might actually not be creative one time. The yeah. thing is, you're right. We have those days where we might feel this negative energy around us and we might feel not as creative as we could be. And that's when we need to go back to our why in the first place, go back to our roots and really just figure it, figure it out. And all those yeah. for creative people as well, it is a very personal thing that we are doing and mm. we are putting out there into the world, even, yeah. even for a, a podcast setting as well. Like that is personal. And it's hard to sort of get over that fear of what happens if I don't know what to say, what happens if I don't know what to put out, what happens if I don't know what to actually create because content 
is all around us. And, you know, every single person I think has those days where they struggle with actually being creative. But I think getting out in nature, that helps. Feeling grounded, watching movies. It's knowing this, it's really knowing this. This is what I like to explain, not only to my coworkers, but like if anyone, if I can tell that you, you really didn't get inspired to do a certain aspect of work, and you can just tell that it was put together solely because you needed to, to be done and not because you, you truly wanted it to be done. I'm like, remember as a kid seeing a magic trick and that feeling of you have no idea how that was done. And that feeling of like, holy shit, like there's something I don't understand, but it's fascinating. I'm like, you need to find that feeling in whatever it is your life, like what you're doing in your life. So for me, mm. I knew that was watching movies, not understanding how these people are creating these, these things. And for me, that was like that feeling. I'm like, okay, if I ever feel this way, I know what I need to do. So I think finding that feeling inside of you and chasing that um, and knowing how to kind of how to, to kind of find that when you're doing, having those, those tough times is, is, is very crucial. And that, and that could be, with anything in life, not just obviously creating, it's just search for that feeling and use that as kind of your, uh, your crutch. Knowing that it's there as well is the first step to actually yeah. realizing it's full potential. You just got to know that it's there and then harness that ability to just work on it day in and day out. Like it's a constant repetitive process. So I like that magic analogy too. Like just feeling, you know, I still get, when I get a moment of inspiration uh, that comes on me, like I'm just, I'm astounded that it actually even happened. There's like that wow factor. And I think that's what creativity is. It is always that wow factor day in and day out. Like, but mm-hmm. you just got to. It's fuel. Yeah. It's, it's fuel. It's fuel. That's exactly it's, right. Yeah, it just jump starts everything. And it's like, that's why when I, it's funny because like I'll, I'll be four hours deep on not having an idea and I know it's there because and I, I know that even if I'm on a deadline, if I get it in the last couple hours, that idea and only have two hours left, I know that in those two hours, I'm going to create something insane just because I have, I have fuel to get me wherever I want to go and to, um, and to kind of overcome that. So yeah, it's like I said, it goes back to the conception part. That, that's the 80% is, getting inspired, finding and kind of systematizing and outlining your execution and the execution part is actually, it's almost the execution for me is very subconscious. Mm. There's no, um, it's less, you know, it's less like step one, two, three, four. It's more just like go. Um, It's everything before that is just in my head and it's all, putting stuff together it's architecting without executing so um, i'm telling you the 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 conceptual research development stage in any anything you do in life is is way more important than executing and and i think the execution is actually commoditized in in today's world um somewhat Mm, you always find someone to, to, you know, pull the levers, um, especially as technology increasingly gets more better. And the one thing you can't, uh, you know, 
create by your computer is, is creativity. Um, yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, creativity is a very safe method and something everyone should lean on to become um, indiv- like their own individual. And I mean, there's no way, like you said, there's infinite possibilities. A computer can't find that one and, and run with it. Mm. You can't replace creativity with a machine or a computer. Not yet. No. And I don't, I don't even think that we'll get to that point where a computer will be able to really, I mean, AI is pretty astounding, but I personally don't believe you'd be able to replace a human brain with a computer or a machine. It's just something yeah. about a human mind that, I mean, even if you're creating AI, that's a human mind creating AI in the first place. So technically we're using our creativity to create something that's creative. Like, yeah, exactly. Look at it that way. Um, but what, what I'm curious about as well, Jeff, is since, it, since art is very personal, are you ever worried about or how do you know that what you're creating is actually this idea of perfection, right? So how do you know if it's actually good enough to put out? Um, okay, so that's funny you said that. So I think I found this out actually um, – a weird way. Um, I think, I think this was like my first job I had. One of my bosses, or I think it was one of my art, I forgot it was my art teacher or something. I actually finished the piece. I won't start a piece of art without it being finished in my head. Ah, clever. So if it doesn't match that, I'll just know it's not done. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if it didn't look that way, and sometimes it, looks and it's almost i'm telling you i've done thousands and thousands of pieces it has never been the situation where it was finished differently than what i had originally thought it to be Mm. so i almost finish it in my head and i know that that's kind of the benchmark and if it doesn't look or feel it's more of a feeling if it doesn't feel like what it felt in the conception in my brain then it's not done yet um it'll feel off it'll feel something is there's like this aura around the piece, right? And it's like, it's almost, it gives you, this feeling art gives you whether it's not done or not. It's it's not something you can really explain. You just, just it just not. doesn't feel complete. Um, and I'm not one of those who sits on a piece for weeks and like, oh, it's not finished, it's not finished. I think that's a, a very, not say wrong way, because there's really no wrong way to create, but um. Yeah, I, I never spend more than a couple days on something um, just because, like I said, when an idea is done in my brain, it's not, I have to get it out as fast as possible and like, or else not, I might not lose it, but it's like, it's there. I need to get it out of my, my head and onto, you know, a different medium. <laughs> so like, I think that if you don't create that way, you'll allow yourself to never be finished because you don't know what it was you're trying to create in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what you're creating in the first place, you can go on and on and on and on because you don't know what it started. Like, it's, like you said, remember your why. Well, if you don't, if you never had one, you <laughs> could, it could go on for weeks and months and years and stuff like that. But once, once it's done, I have the intent um, and I'm going to get it out. And if it's, takes weeks and weeks then um 
Well, it's never done that, but it's to me, to me, I think when I was a kid, a lot of ways to crave was just, okay, just put a mark on the page, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And you just keep going from there and there and there and, and evolving. But that's a, definitely a way to do art. But um, then you can't ever say it's finished because it never, you never knew what it was going to be. It, it never had a, a foundation um, of intent, I guess. That's a good, that's a good man. Like I find your brain is incredible because I, I don't have that sort of mindset whenever I'm doing something. Yes. I see it in, in my head and then I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to actually get to that place. But then as I'm working on it, it sort of changes a little bit. It becomes something, it becomes a new beast, a new machine almost. And then it's forever changing. It's like, it's, yeah. it's funny how, yeah, like, Technically, there is no then there. I mean, there is no finishing line because it can continue to just keep evolving. But um, I think having that end in your head is really important, um, just for your sanity. Oh yeah, um, you know? <laughs> wild. Yeah, I think when people have that problem, I'm like, I think you needed to to finish that in your head before, or, or just have some sort of intent for it. But um, mm. I did this exercise when I was a kid, and um, I had. So other people just scribble on a piece of paper and I would have to go in and make something of that scribble, but I wouldn't start what it was until I knew what I wanted to do. So in that same way, I could come in whatever stage you wanted to really give me and I could create something from it um, before we start. So I tried all these different uh, scenarios like that, where you don't really have an intent. You're just kind of going off intuition, but um that's a dangerous, not dangerous, but, you know, funny, dangerous way to uh, create because it's, to me, that'd be very nerve wracking because you, you you don't really know if you're going to be content with it or ever. No, that's right. Yeah. And you overthink things constantly, which yeah. I've struggled with in the past as well. Yeah. It, and it, it also gives a way for you to justify what you're doing, um, mm. especially in that critique phase. Uh, because imagine doing creating a piece of art and you having to explain everything and you're just like, well, you know what? That was a subconscious mark. I have no idea why I did that. That wouldn't fly if you were being in, a, in an art class, um, critiquing. So yeah, having that intent will allow you then to answer any really question on uh, why you did certain things in the, in the art piece. Mm, that's good, man. I'm mindful of your time. I do have three more questions for you if you don't mind. Oh, right. And, and that is, what would you say is your biggest achievement or your greatest achievement so far in life or with Iconic? Um, I think it's just the, I think the, it, was, it was the pledge to just give, like, dedicate my life to it because I know how many lives are being impacted by it. Um, and once you, you, I kind of saw that, um, once I saw that is more, more customers were leaving reviews and more of the DMs were getting that this piece changed this and they're, you know, this made them, this made them a better person or this one made them pursue a career and basically just changed their, the, the path of their existence. That kind of made us kind of step back and be like, you know what, this is, I think we should really dedicate you know, our lives to this because 
it just felt like the right thing to do. Um, and I'm not sure what day that was. You know, I don't, think, I don't know if that was a, what it, you know, it wasn't a, um, a micro accomplishment. This is more of a macro. Holy shit. I think we're actually, you know, doing something really good here and um, kind of tripling down on wanting to keep doing that. And I think one initiative that really was exciting for me, I'll just say that this is my most exciting part of Iconic was creating Iconic Kids. Um, <clears throat> simply because, like I said, I didn't enjoy education and growing up in school. And this was kind of me and Mark's way of creating our own education platform. Um, and especially because a lot of our friends and families are now having children, um, redefining the way kids get motivated and learn, you know, life lessons as, uh, you know, obviously at that age is very important and obviously molds who you are. So kind of leaving that imprint on a kid felt very, not more important, but you felt more of a, um, responsibility to take it seriously and, um, you know, really think about it more because we already had the iconic DNA set in stone. So this was our way of creating something early with intent and kind of having full control on what we wanted the narrative to be. And um, it's just getting started and we're, we're seeing insane traction and developing, we're developing more worlds. And that was something that, like I said, the conceptual part of it was so deep and so fulfilling. Um, that one day, I mean, it could be movie, it could be movies, and you could see um, very different extensions growing out of it. Um, so, Iconic Kids is definitely probably my proudest achievement um, as of now. Even though it wasn't the, the first start, um, it's definitely something I'm the most proud of. Mm. I don't know if you've seen any of the Iconic Kids stuff, but it's. it's I think I've cool. seen a little bit about it, but I was also thinking as well as you're saying that you're heading down the right direction because if you want to change a generation in a good way, you've got to start with the kids because. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, make change. the reason why we did it is we, we were noticing that we, we were changing adults' lives and rethink and kind of read. Um, we were inspiring them in a way the education system wasn't obviously um, through our art. And these are grown adults. And we're like, you know what? There's got to be a way for us to reimagine these concepts where kids can understand them. And then we started realizing there's not a lot of, there's some of these concepts are new, um, especially because some of them could have been taboo, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So um, kind of redefining our core thesis or, or, or pieces that really were um, iconic to us and our brand weren't in that, the, the kid system. Um, and it was so cool to redefine them and to kind of simplify them for kids. Um, like, I don't know if you've seen the iceberg one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that one too. Yeah. Like, this was such a kind of a new metaphor for success. And there's got to be a way to redefine it for kids. So we're like, success, kids don't really think about success. If you ask a kid what success is, they say, you know, it's winning. Mm. And they think about it very... Um, not binary, but like it was, it was like winning and losing and um, an accomplishment. A lot of kids said, so we're like, you know what, let's 
let's make success just be achievement because they started seeing it as, as a winning and losing. And we didn't want to obviously say winning at the top. Um, so like just going through that process of simplifying stuff and, and then realizing that this might not even be out there in the market. It was very fun, um, fun exercise. And I'd say I, extreme learning for us. And it was very rewarding because all, like I said, my friends and family are having kids now. So seeing that impact them, you know, has been really cool. I didn't know you actually created that, that iceberg one because it's my second favorite out of the lot. And it's funny how you actually, you created it. Because so I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't create the, the there was, um, it was like a meme drawing and it wasn't, the, it didn't have, it had all the words like just below floating in the water and stuff. It was like a, it was like this, I forgot it was a crude drawing and I kind of made everything different and inside and then it sparked that canvas. But um, they had, I can't take credit for the original concept. But the tip of the iceberg, which is what everyone sees. And then you go underneath it, which is the hard work, perseverance or persistence. Yeah. All, all that sort of stuff. So that was your one. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, cool. <laughs> Cause I sent that to another friend of mine as well. And I had no idea cause it was shared by one of my friends from success resources, Australia. And I didn't know that that was actually you. So f- small world, man. <laughs> it was a, it's, it's, I found it. It was like a clip art, you know, it was like a clip art and like a PowerPoint and it had all the words just like, yeah, scared all in the water and it and it, at the top it didn't even say it just says what you don't see and there was all these words and i'm like this is i can depict this way easier and more concise in a more you know artistic way so i we did it and then we spent a shitload of money behind it um when we put it out um and it did really well and then everyone started copying it in, and that's where it kind of you see the traditional one now that's where it came from us but um I can't take credit for the original, original, original clip art. That's that's all, that's all right. I think I like your one the most though, because it makes. Well, that's why I made it. I'm like, I I can't use this. I can, I, you know, or I got to find the original one. But it's uh, but just, yeah, you, you definitely wouldn't want to put it on your wall. I'll tell you that much. A hundred percent, man. Like with the, I put it alongside with the leadership one because a successful leader is someone that goes through all that sort of stuff. And I've, I've been able to use that same picture in a couple of the podcasts that I've done because I had a few people there because I asked people at the beginning, right, what's your definition of success? What does it look like to you? And I've had a couple of people ask me as well, well, what's your definition of success, Jay? Like what, what, what do you think it is? And I've been able to sort of share that, that image because that's yeah. exactly what I've been through in my life. And I've been able to like pinpoint little moments and say, yes, this is exactly what success is. And it's true because not everyone sees what you go through on a day-to-day basis. Not everyone sees the hard work, the hard yards. Not everyone sees how you run a business. Not everyone sees the persistence that you, you have to do, you know, to keep your business afloat. No one sees the bad deals, the struggles, the pain, all that sort of stuff. Which is good. Yeah, I mean, success is a very, it's, and as time went by, my definition always started changing. And um, um, then I, I was answering a lot to me was happiness. But then I, you start thinking about, well, happiness isn't a, uh, 
you can't achieve happiness. It's happiness comes and goes. It's like the weather. It's like you can't just have it be perfect weather all the time. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be storms and tornadoes and hurricanes. Like it's just, that's just part of life. So you can't really say happiness. Mm. Um, that's why it's so funny. Um, one of my favorite movies is the pursuit of happiness. Mm. And the best line is, you know, how do they know to put that word pursue in it? Because that's exactly what it is. It's ongoing. And, um, that's one of my favorite, uh, movies if i'm ever questioning um really anything in life i turn on that movie it's a really good one um but yeah the pursuit is really what we're trying for um and that to me that's what success is for me is the pursuit of happiness but um i i've accepted that you're going to get both you're going to get terrible days and great days terrible days and great days so um i've simplified it to just being in you know ha feeling in control because i think we all fear things we can't control. And I think feeling in the most control as you possibly can in life where you can really, you feel free and to make your own decisions and not have any consequences of your own, um, just intuition. Um, and yeah. Mm. Everyone fears the unknown as well because they can't yeah. control the unknown. So yeah. I always say control what you can control today. And, I, and with that movie, man, I always find it interesting how they didn't call it the pursuit of joy, not the pursuit of happiness. They said they call it the pursuit of happiness because you're right, happiness is fleeting, whereas joy is a complete state of being, which if you are joyful, then you'll be more happy. So you got to yeah. find, find joy first. And then once you are in that state of being, then you can find more happiness. Um, but it comes with experiences. It comes with knowledge it comes with just being happy just being content and i think it's gratitude man just being grateful for what you have who you are and where you're going in life otherwise then you'll just be aimless you'll be stagnant and you wouldn't you won't be joyful you won't be happy at all and i think it's a lot of what's good about iconic is we kind of serve as a perspective reminder mm -hmm. um and I think that's like the one thing we're terrible at as like human beings is we always kind of lose perspective. And these pieces really bring you back to perspective, whether it's, it's, it's visual representation. Um, but I find visual representation is the best way to kind of reground you. And uh, like I said, rewire your perspective. Um, and what's better than that than, you know, a piece of art kind of downing it down for you and really showing you it in all different ways, whether you're a, visual or, um, you know, written word learner. Um, this kind of serves both purposes. Well, definitely, man. And you are, you have created something that I personally love. I personally resonate with a lot of the pieces of artwork on, on there. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one of my favorite companies in terms of artwork and inspiration as well, and just helping me motivate myself. And so I appreciate you. I thank you so much for that. I really enjoyed this conversation. My last question for you mm -hmm. Jeff, is I call this a legacy question. So you've reached the age of 100. You've done everything that you've ever sought out to do. You've inspired millions of people and you reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a mixtape for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it. They just did yeah. put it together for you. And what do you want that mixtape to say and to show about your life? 
Um, definitely that I gave more than I took in life and that I left it all on the field. Um, that I didn't hold anything back that I was capable of. Um, I think I, as artists, we have a responsibility. Um, and I found my purpose at a really young age. So to me, it's my purpose to give it to the world. And I think if I did that and I'm doing it and it's passionate and, and it's sincere. And um, I, I think the most gratitude you can get is, is, is by giving and mm, service to give. Yeah. To just to know that I gave it, gave more than I took while I was here on this earth. And that would be, uh, I think I'd die happy. That's incredible, man. I'm happy about that answer. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast. Sharing. Thank you. Sharing your journey with us, man, and your story. It's uh, it's really inspired me. So thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. I don't like this part because it means that sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guests today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it'll go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time.